When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to Bucketheads, episode 22 of Lane Grant Holy Land's College Basketball Podcast. My name is Connor Lamans, and I'm here with my lovely co-host Justin Golba to catch you up on, to catch you up on the most recent happenings of Ohio State and the Big Ten, as it appears that uh, the Big Ten Conference has kind of gotten past some of the COVID-19 issues that it's been dealing with uh, for the past few weeks. Justin, how are we doing this week? Uh, it's it's been it's been a long week, only because I had to watch the Browns on Monday night, um, which was truly I, it's the first time I almost fell asleep during a football game where I had a rooting interest. Um, so, you know, we're just, luckily, Ohio State had a good weekend, a stressful weekend. I lost, I lost some years off my life, but a good weekend, so made up for it. Yeah, shout out Baker Mayfield, the first quarterback this NFL season, and so far the only one to have 10 straight um, incompletions. I do wish they put an asterisk next to that, because there was four drops in between. I'm not not defending him. He was seeing ghost. But still, there was like four Did drops. Did he start like one of eight for like 20 yards or something? We started one of one for 20 yards, and then he was one of 11 for 20 yards, which implies Jesus the Christ. next 10 passes did not go as they as they played. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch any football this past weekend. My fantasy football season is over with. I have no NFL allegiances other than my own pocket. Uh, I came in third place in my league, so I didn't, I didn't watch any of this past weekend. I watched all basketball. Anyway, for the first time in a couple weeks, we actually do have basketball to talk about. Uh, Sunday night, Ohio State played for the first time in a few weeks. They went to Lincoln. They beat Nebraska 87-79 on the road. They trailed by five points with 30 seconds left and won the game. Uh, Matt Tamini and I recorded a recap podcast right after that game, so we're not going to get really deep into this game. If you want to hear about that game and break that game down, go back and listen to that podcast. Um, but, Justin, what was your like single biggest takeaway watching that game? Yeah, you said it in um, that little sentence that you just said, on the road. that's a, When you're on the road in conference play, you just win and you get on the plane or bus and you go home. Um, that's all that matters. I tweeted something during the game from the Buckethead's account that's there's only two things that matter in January and February on the road in conference play. It's wins and losses. This would have been a bad loss if it happened. It didn't. They won. This team has proven they know how to you know, kind of – man up and, and win games late. They lost a couple late, but they've also won more than they lost late, so that's good. Um and I I you know, shout out to Malachi Branham. <laughs> yeah, he was he was um absolutely unbelievable. And I I think that I mean we were talking about him early on. I was I was saying early in the season I was like, I think he's gonna be a star, man. I think he's gonna be so good and he may never score thirty five points a game, but like once Liddell's gone he's he's going to be the guy. But I, I agree with you. The biggest thing is it's on the road. And luckily, I didn't see too many Ohio State fans on like Twitter or on Facebook because that's usually where like the sour comments are. I didn't see too many people that were like, you know, all oh, this team sucks. Like this is Nebraska. Pretty much everybody was like, good win, figure figure out a way to win and get home because it's, it's true. It's been three weeks. 
they're, they're ice cold, their legs are under them, and you're on the road. So it doesn't really matter who you're playing. When you're on the road, it's it's, it's hard to win. Yeah, and, and I won't touch on this too long, but um, first, uh, one, one thing I did, I, as last year I covered um, one Malachi Branham high school game when he was at St. Vincent St. Mary's, who I don't know if you know this, LeBron James went there, as the announcers love to point out, 45 times during games. But um, that's like the that, – that, that will never cease to amaze me how many times I like to say that. Anyway, uh, but – the game I covered when Malachi Brandon was in high school, he had 33 points. He looked just as – it looked just – it looked like the Nebraska game came just as easy to him as a high school game did. And um, that was really reassuring to see. And a lot of his shots were open, but you still got to hit him. And that's what he did. Um, and I think a lot of a lot of people were kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt just because people do recognize on the roads hard. They haven't played in three weeks. No Kyle Young, which we're very quickly learning – if last year's Big Ten tournament, the Oral Roberts game, and this game didn't teach us anything, it's that EJ Liddell is probably the best player on this. EJ Liddell is the best player on this team. Kyle Young might be the most important because every time he's not on the floor, they just struggle. Even coming back to earlier this season, you know, with the Akron game and stuff. So um, let's hope Kyle Young could stay on the floor. New dad, Kyle Young. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, congratulations to Kyle Young. Congrats on the. Never mind. Um, <laughs> they definitely could have used him. They definitely could have used him. They could use him in any game, but yeah, they definitely could have used him. The, almost the game winning bucket was a Derek Walker put back yeah. layup that Eugene Brown slapped away. But like, if you have Kyle Young around, he probably stops a few offensive rebounds. But um, yeah, that you're, game's you're, not at that. That game's not in overtime. With Kyle Young playing. That's all I'm saying. Probably not. Um, so hopefully they'll get him back uh thursday for the game against indiana which is what we're gonna talk about next um buckeyes take on indiana tomorrow night well today's wednesday so by the time you're hearing this tonight seven o'clock on fs1 the hoosiers are they're a they're a good team they're 10 and 3 they're they're only one and two in big 10 play they have not been good in conference play um they beat let me pull up their schedule here because they beat somebody that wasn't too great and then they lost two teams that weren't that great well, they beat um, they beat our secondary school, St. John's, but they only beat them by two. They beat our favorite school, St. John's. St. John's not very good. We know that. They lost to Wisconsin, which is the game they blew like an eighteen point lead, and then they beat yes. oh they beat Nebraska by thirteen, and then they lost to Penn State. So Indiana doesn't really have any good wins on their schedule so far. Um, they don't really have any good wins on their schedule, um, but they have a pretty solid roster obviously trace jackson davis is like a, an elite player yeah notre dame may is like a decent win it's not amazing um it, it's just it's weird because notre dame beat kentucky but they've also lost to boston college so you know take that as notre well. dame ken palm 60 number 63 yeah so that's, I mean, that's, that's fine yeah or whatever i guess okay yeah okay uh, they have a knack for blowing leads. They did that against Wisconsin and Syracuse. They lost to Syracuse in double overtime, one twelve to one ten. Um, in a game that I remember watching it was fantastic, just only because it was right before the Ohio State Duke game. Um, but it was very good. And um, you know they beat Nebraska as, as they should at home. You know we just talked about on the road at Nebraska is tough, but you catch Nebraska at home, you just got to beat them at this point if you want to be anything. Um, and then they lost to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a Wisconsin and Indiana, I put them in a bubble of like, there's like four, four or five teams in the Big Ten. I can see them losing to any team in the Big Ten. I can also see them beating any team in the Big Ten. And it just simply comes down to how well their best player plays. How well does Trace Jackson Davis play? 
How well does Johnny Davis play? I mean, they'd be, you know, Wisconsin just beat Purdue, as we'll talk about later. Johnny Davis had 37 and 14. That's a ridiculous game. You know, Trace Jackson Davis might have to have a couple of those kinds of games, not 37, 14, but 30 and 10, 25 and 12, stuff like that to beat uh, some of these teams like in Ohio State. Um, and if there's any team he's going to do it against, Ohio State might make sense, you know, because they're, you know, I, I know Co- Coach Holtman talked about it today. This is one of the best front courts in the Big Ten, if not in the country, with Race Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis. So, you know, Kyle Young playing is going to, that's going to be a huge thing for Ohio State. If he's not playing, they're going to need somebody, a Eugene Brown, somebody smaller to step up in that role um, and try to try to contain those two because they're not easy. Their their guard play is very inconsistent. It's not bad. It's just very consistent with with Xavier Johnson leading. They, they turn, turn the ball they turn over the a ball lot, a lot. Yeah, they turn they like a lot, a lot. It's very be very frustrating to Ohio State fans. <laughs> Um, you know, and they have Northwestern transfer Miller cop who just, he's, he's been okay. He hasn't been great. Uh, he's averaging seven a game and seven points a game and, uh, three. He was better with Northwestern, honestly. Yeah. He he seemed like he's struggling to carve out somewhat of a role with this team. Uh, Rob Finnessy is just kind of, he's, he's okay. Again, uh, same with Tamar Bates, same with Parker Stewart. They just have a lot of guys who are good, but guys aren't going to take over in the backcourt. Where you have Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson, you know Trace Jackson Davis nineteen and eight, Race Thompson eleven and eight. That's what they average. Um, you know they those that's where they're going to try to make their bread and butter, and that's where it's tough if you can get a if Ohio State can get up on them because they don't shoot the ball particularly. I mean they're thirty six percent from three, but their stars don't shoot the ball from three because they you know they're the front court guys. You have Miller Cop and Parker Stewart are their best shooters. Um, so, you know, they can get streaky. Obviously, they scored 112, 110 points against Syracuse. That was in two overtimes, but that's still a lot of points. Um, but this is just a team where it kind of depends on what version of them you get, uh, what version of Xavier Johnson are you going to get, because it, it, it varies, um, and what version of, you know, is Trace Jackson Davis. I think sometimes uh, Indiana fans want to see him just take over more, just try to actually put his stamp on games more. Um, and we'll see if, if maybe against Ohio State he tries to do that. I think the, the big thing with um, Indiana is I don't I don't think we're seeing Indiana. I don't think we've seen Indiana play at their best yet. I don't think you've no. seen all of their pieces kind of firing at the same time. And when they are firing at the same time, I think it's a very good, you know, it's a very, very good team. Because obviously Trace Jackson Davis, um, he's a guy that I'm not even looking at his stats right now. I could probably pull up. He's probably averaging more like 22 and 10. He's averaging 19 and 8. Yeah, that's very that's very that's very close to what EJ Odell is averaging. He can do that in every any given night, but a dude like Miller Cop, who's averaging seven points a game, when he transferred over to um, Indiana from Northwestern, that's that's not what you're expecting from him. Because I'm pretty sure at Northwestern he averaged more like thirteen or fourteen points per game. That's what you're expecting. Yeah, he averaged thirteen and then eleven per per game for Northwestern the last two years. That's what you expect from him. That's probably what he'll end the season with. So he's going to turn it on. Race Thompson is going to continue to be like a 10 points per game kind of guy. I don't know too much about Xavier Johnson. I could probably pull him up too. I think he played at Pitt. Um, yeah, he's from Pitt. He's from Pitt. Xavier Johnson. Let's see what he averaged at Pitt. Okay, there's four different Xavier Johnsons in college basketball right now. So that's problematic. Give me one second here. We'll find it. Um, but I also pulled up the turnover numbers for Indiana, which is fun. Um so the they have the third most turnovers in the Big Ten. They have the 
most they have the second most turnovers per game and they have the third worst assist to turnover ratio in the Big Ten. So um, almost 15 turnovers per game, and they have an assist to turnover ratio of 1.07 to 1. So for every single assist, they are also turning the ball over. Um, that is very bad. And they have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 players who are averaging at least one turnover per game, none that average more than two and a half basically. So you even have guys who only play 10 minutes a game who are turning it over. It's not like you have like one guy who turns it over three, four times a game as a unit. They cannot hang on to the ball. No. And you know, like, like a Miller cop, for example, you just brought him up. You know, he did have 28 against Syracuse. Now granted that was in 48 minutes, but it was nine for 16 from the field. It was still an efficient 28. Like he has that in his arsenal. It's just a matter of when you get it, what are you getting from everybody else? And, um, and again, like I said, that game's a little bit of an outlier because it went to double overtime. But, you know, Xavier Johnson is a talented, talented, talented player. Um, his two has, years at Pitt, I was able to pull his, the correct Xavier Johnson up. At Pitt, as a freshman, he averaged 15 and a half. As a sophomore, he averaged 12. As a junior, he averaged 14. Yeah, and, and you would expect those numbers, those points to go down a little bit just because Pitt was so bad when he was there. You know, he was one of their only scoring options along with uh, – Justin Champagne. So, you know, it makes sense that it would go down a little bit. Um, the problem is, first of all, they're not a good free throw shooting team. They shoot 67% from the free throw line. So they're not really taking advantage of their opportunities there. And their top three players in terms of points, the only guys averaging in double digits shoot 67%, 60%, 69%. So they're not, a, they're not taking advantage of the free throws. You have three guys who average in double digits Everybody else that scores is around the seven to five points per game mark. You know, it's just it, – it, it's kind of like you said. It's a team that if they're all clicking, it's very good. Um, but they just haven't really had that this year. Now, obviously, the elephant in the room is Indiana at home. They're undefeated at home this year. Assembly Hall is notoriously one of the toughest places to play in college basketball. It is one of the most fun places to watch a game, um, on TV at least. I'm assuming it's great there. I've never been. But even on yeah, TV, it's on it's on my list for oh, sure. I need to be 100%, there at yeah. some point. But um, even on TV, it looks like just an absolute blast. Everything about Indiana is fun, you know. They, with the the striped, you know, warm up pants and assembly hall, like you have a picture of Indiana basketball. I can literally picture Christian Watford hitting the three against Kentucky. You know, stuff like that um, is a lot of fun. I remember the old days with Eric Gordon and guys like that who were just really talented for Indiana. Um, you know, so it's. It's going to be a. It's again. We're back to winning on the road. Can they go into Indiana win uh, a place where nobody else has won? Now, granted, all of Indiana's big games have been on the road, so they're undefeated at home, but they haven't really beat anybody at home. So it, it, it's an interesting kind of thing. Yeah, I would have to do the math, but what I learned today in the press conference, well, the little media availability that Holtman had, Indiana is one of, if not the best, two point field goal team in the country um which, which would sense. make sense when you have yeah. race thompson and you have trace jackson davis down low they're one of the best teams in the country at shooting the ball as long as they're staying inside the three-point line they're an okay three-point shooting team but the thing is like you said bad free throw shooting team so foul if they're gonna want to get to the rack and they get fouled they're not converting on a lot of those free throws and then they're turning the ball over which takes away possessions where you could be attacking the rack so 
they just have some fundamental things that they have to work on, but it's tough to improve it when you're looking at the stat sheet and it's like scattered throughout the whole roster. And it's not just a few guys like Nebraska. Um, we, I think we did a preview in Nebraska. We said like Alonzo verge for Nebraska. He by himself averages four turnovers a game, which is atrocious. You can look at Nebraska and be like, they can turn the ball over less as a team. If he is better versus Indiana is like literally the whole roster is turning the ball over at least once per game. Um, so big point of emphasis for Ohio state, Jamari Wheeler specifically is going to be force the ball out of their guards hands, force them to turn the ball over um, and give Ohio state some additional opportunities. Yeah. I mean, well, you have guys like Jordan Geronimo, you know, who plays, he plays 12 minutes a game. He's played in every game they played. He has 18 turnovers and five assists, you know, like that's just not going to get, that's not getting the job done. Um, yeah. And you, with Nebraska, it's interesting because you saw, well, you know, late in the game, Alonzo Verge wasn't in the game. He's their best player. He didn't play the last like ten minutes of the game. It was actually a pretty, pretty interesting decision by Fred Hoiberg. But I mean, it's hard to argue it because they took Ohio State to overtime. So, um, kind of they just kind of rode the hot hand with that. Um, Kobe Webster. They left Kobe Webster in for a while. Yeah, they they really rode their hot. Hey, which you know, again, we talk about Chris Holtman all the time. Chris Holtman's very good at that, riding the hot hand. You know, with Malachi Branham. He did it against Duke with Cedric Russell. Normally, it's just EJ Liddell, so it makes the job easy for you. But this will be this will be an interesting EJ Liddell game because he's coming off a tough shooting game. Obviously, he was like two for fifteen. You could tell that his legs just weren't there. He when he when he shoots a jump shot, eighty percent of it's in his legs. You know, and it, you could just tell his legs weren't there. Everything was coming up short. He was tired. He still did a great job of making himself valuable with his overall stat line, which was. You know, like eight, he had like four blocks, eight assists. He had like what eight or nine rebounds as well. He played really well. He flirted with a triple double, Um, but he wasn't. It wasn't their shooting. Obviously, he still stepped up and hit the two late free throws, which were unbelievable. Key, unbelievable. Like his mindset there was unbelievable for him to put those behind him and just say, "All right, I got two free throws to tie the game." But this will be an interesting game for him because he's coming off probably his first bad shooting game of the year, and he's going up against maybe the best front court in the big 10. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of puts that puts last game behind. And he does a very good job in general of just going like kind of blinders. Okay. What's next? What's next? Not what's not focusing on the past, but uh, he's going to have his hands full for sure with Trace, Trace, Trace Jackson Davis and Grace Thompson. And that's where guys like Kyle Young, if he plays and Zed key have to step up and kind of help shoulder some of that load. Yeah. I think that you'll see a, I think you'll see a bounce back game from him. I, I think too. that is pro- that's probably his his rock bottom as far as shooting goes. It's, he's probably not going to have a tougher game than that. Um, but you're oh, right. Wow. Having having Kyle Young available tomorrow is going to be huge for them because it's probably going to be – I think it will decide the game. It will probably be Zed Key on Trace Jackson Davis, and then it will probably be EJ Liddell on Race Thompson, which is fun because they're, they're very similar players built physically in a very similar way race thompson is you know six eight two thirty so if ej is out on the perimeter race thompson you know he'll go he's immobile enough to take him out to the perimeter so those guys going at it will be fun um zed key um you know he's he's super entertaining and he has always had a knack for defending guys who are a little bigger than him pretty well so him and and um tjd down low will be a really interesting one It, it could end up coming down to guard play and how well can guys like Michi Johnson and Jamari Wheeler take advantage of some of these turnover prone guards for Indiana? Um, it should be Jamari having, Wheeler should be licking his lips. I mean, this should be a game where he just goes nuts. 
You would hope so. And he had five turnovers last game. So you're hoping that he'll, you know, I'll be able to tighten that up a little bit. Um, but having Kyle Young as that extra big guy in there to rotate against those two bigs for Indiana is going to be key. I think if Kyle Young doesn't play, I, I don't I think, think the Buckeyes lose. will be able to. Yeah, I don't think they'll have the guns to beat them on the road in Assembly Hall if Kyle Young doesn't play. If he does X- play, if he Sorry, does play, I think they'll have a chance, though. Yeah, I was just going to say a little bit of an X factor here is if you're ever going to pull out the Joey Brunk weapon, it might be this one. I mean, with Kyle Young not playing, obviously He's Joey Brunk. Well, <laughs> and, and you can use anything as a weapon if you use it right. You know what I mean? Uh, no, I mean he's, got five, he's got five fouls to give, I guess. That's what I mean. Uh, he, well, he's transferred from Indiana, so he knows at least these guys. You know, he knows how they play. He might be able if his weapon is just simply scouting report. You know, on what maybe doesn't you can't see on the video. Mm, um, true. You know that might be. But if Kyle Young doesn't play, I actually expect Jerry Brunk to play probably 10 minutes. He might do that thing where he starts and it comes out like at the first media timeout kind of thing. Chris Holman likes God, to do with I him. I don't not, I'm, I've never quite understood that, but a lot of coaches <laughs> do it with players. Um, Gosh, Can, Kansas, Kansas does it. It's weird. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and question guys that make millions a year for these decisions. I don't make any money to make these decisions. So, um, well, I'll question if I want to, but nevertheless. Um, Some, it, it might be interesting. To see if, it would be interesting to, cut, to see if they use Brunk. Sorry, not to cut you off, but when you mentioned when we were saying, "Hey, he's got five fouls to get," maybe Joy Brunk can just come in there and throw some fouls around. The three guys that take the most shots per game for Indiana are in order: Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, Xavier Johnson. They're three leading scorers, and their free throw percentages are sixty-eight, sixty, and sixty-nine. Yeah, um, the guys that take the most shots for them are not good free throw shooters. So you know, maybe throwing some fouls around. That's what I mean. Just maybe that wouldn't be the worst idea. And if they hit a bunch of free throws, it's like okay, we'll have to adjust. But yeah. um, I would put this team at the free throw line as much. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis has taken eighty four free throws in thirteen games. You're talking about seven to eight free throws a game. That's a lot. The only three regulars I'm seeing here that are um, at seventy five or above um, guys that are in the rotation somewhat regularly is Christian Lander, who's at 75%. He comes off the bench. He averages three points a game. Tamar Bates, who is a guard that also comes off the bench. He averages six points a game and he's at 80%. And then Miller cop who averages eight points a game and he is 94.4% from the line. Um, so those are the three guys you probably don't want to put in the stripe, but two of them are off the bench. You know, their, their starting five is, is made up of three guys who cannot shoot free throws very well. Yeah, I mean, Lander is taking eight free throws and Bates is taking 10. So, you know, the sample size is pretty small there. Miller Cop 17 for 18, which is, I mean, that's good. Just don't foul him, I guess. You know, let him let him shoot. He's not doing that too well this year either. So, he's 40% from three. So, not bad. But, again, you know, he's just – he doesn't take – I don't think he really puts himself in the position to take games over as much as he could. And, you know, like I said, he had 28 against Syracuse. So, this is a guy who can get you. I think didn't he have a huge game against Ohio State last year with Northwestern? Miller Cop, yeah, he's a very good player. Yeah, he's a very, very good player. So that's kind of you can't truly just focus on Ray Thompson and Trace Jackson Davis Trace Jackson Davis because you do have Miller Cobb, Parker Stewart, Xavier Johnson. These guys are good players, but where they make their bread and butter for sure is, is those two in the front court. Trying to find the stat line that he had against Ohio State last year. I'm pretty sure he had like 24 points or something. But Yeah, the game they almost lost to Northwestern. He had a big game. Or the game they did lose. Didn't they they lose? did lose against Northwestern. Yeah. I'm trying to get it off, off a sports reference, but it's giving me a Matrix ad that I can't skip, unfortunately. Um, I skip the entire movie. 
Yeah, I, I certainly am skipping the entire movie. Uh, let's see here. Game logs from last year. Miller the new Cop movie that first. is, obviously, the original Matrix is, is fantastic. just want to point that out if anybody's listening and just got really mad at what we said. <laughs> here, let's see. Miller Cop, last season. Home against Ohio State, which they won. They beat Ohio State. He had 23 points on 9 of 16 shooting. That's the exact same stat line he had against Syracuse. That's funny. Except 28 points, but still. Right, Later points. in the season when they lost to the Buckeyes at, uh, in Columbus, he had 16 points. So, yeah, he played pretty well against Ohio State last year. Um, my final prediction, if Kyle Young plays, I think they win. If Kyle Young doesn't play, I think they lose. Um, we yeah, probably won't know. We probably won't know until tomorrow. It's kind of strategic, I'm sure, partially strategic. They don't want to put it out there yeah. in public if he's playing yes or no until earlier, make them prepare for him. It sounded like but, he was playing, though, right? From from his press conference, it sounded like he was doing a lot better. Yeah, it sounds like he probably will. I think if he plays, they probably win. If, if, if not, um, I don't think they win. I think that it'll be a crazy environment, and they've got some young guys that probably aren't ready for that. Yeah, and uh, again, also, to put into uh, – you know, 2021 with COVID or I guess 2022 now with COVID, you know, what will, the, how will that affect their crowd? You know, I don't know. I'm assuming well, they might not be back. They're not back in school yet either. So that's another big thing. Um, so we'll see if you're going to get, if you're going to have to go to assembly hall, January 5th is a good time to do it because they're not in, I don't think the students are back yet. Um, there'll still be students on campus and I'm sure some will probably still be there, but you're not getting the full brunt of assembly hall. I don't think on January 5th, which is good. Uh, people in Indiana are absolute psychos about basketball, so I'm sure it'll I remember, be. I remember seeing a 200-person line to get into the gym just to watch Romeo Langford sign his letter of intent. Not do anything. Yeah. Sign his letter of intent. There was a line to get into the gym. That's Romeo insane. Langford, who never made the NCAA tournament. Yeah, notoriously Shut didn't up. do that well in Indiana. <laughs> Shout out Archie Miller. Anyway, speaking of frauds like Archie Miller, um, we're going to talk about um, – we're going to follow up on our, on our frauds from last week. From We wrote an article going back and forth about who is the, the most fraudulent team in the Big Ten this season. To sum it up in a sentence, mine looks good, yours looks bad. On a scale of 0 to 10, your <laughs> Minnesota fraud, I would give that a 10. I agree they are a big fraud. They got whacked by Illinois last night, I think, by like 23. Whacked. Like Italian mob yeah, they whacked. Got killed. And then Wisconsin goes on the road yes. to Purdue – uh, Jonathan Davis just goes absolutely ballistic. He had like 37 points, 14 rebounds, and I think like six assists and like two blocks. Just absolutely nuts. And they beat Purdue on the road like a week after beating Nichols by four. So I'm going to have to remove the fraud tag from Wisconsin for now, I guess. <laughs> well, no, you don't have to just slap it on Wisconsin, but just take it off Johnny Davis because he didn't play in that Nichols game. And I mean, if this has to be the number one team in the country that relies on one player, I mean, it is absolutely bonkers. He had 37 and 14. They almost lost. Can you imagine dropping that stat line? That's like LeBron 2018 type stuff. That's crazy. He reminds me of James of James Booknight from UConn, except a better shooter. Like that UConn team from that was just last year was ass, except he was very good. So, like, literally, the only reason to watch UConn was because, you know, James Booknight is going to score, like, 25 every single game. But the guys around him were trash. And that's kind of what Wisconsin reminds me of. Yeah, and, you know, Wisconsin, like I said, they're one of those teams, like Indiana, I can see them beating anybody, and I can see them losing to anybody, as we've kind of proven with them. Almost They should have lost to Nichols, and they beat Wisconsin, or beat Purdue. So, also, Purdue just has a knack for – E.J. Liddell should be excited to play Purdue, not matchup-wise, but just in terms of 
they just let the best player on the other team go bonkers. Ron Harper, for Rutgers against them, had 30 and 10. And then you have, um, what's it said? Johnny Davis, who had 37 and 14. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know if that's like on purpose or what. They just bring out the best and the best players. I don't know what it is, but it's weird. The, the two Michigan teams, I would say Michigan definitively frauds compared to what was expected of them when the season began. There's a they lot just wrong look bad. Yeah. They just look bad. Um, that's probably on coaching, whether it's you didn't recruit. You know, they had the number one class in the Big Ten, I believe, and they have another one this year, another number one class. So either it's Juwan's not coaching up the guys that he got, he's not recruiting to replace what he lost, um, I, whatever. It's it's on him. He's got the talent on the roster, and they're just they just look bad. And then Michigan State, possibly not frauds? Question mark because we like kind of called them frauds last week without saying they were frauds. I still I still don't like them, but they just keep winning. Yeah, I don't think they're frauds. I think somebody throughout whether it's Gabe Brown, whether it's Tyson Walker, Joey Hauser, I don't care who it is, Max Christie, somebody's gonna have to step up and be the star of that team. And it's kind of looking like Gabe Brown might be there. He's had a couple back-to-back 20-point games. Uh, he doesn't rebound the ball nearly as well as he should, but nevertheless, you know, he, he he's at least scoring the ball. He's a great he's a great shooter with his length, with his height. Um, so, he, I mean, he, he can kind of be that, but he just hasn't been that consistently. So we'll see if he kind of consistently can take the role of the best player on that team. Every team needs a star. I'm hesitantly lifting my hand off of the fraud button for Michigan State. At this point in the Big Ten, I like everybody's just a fraud. That's very true. Yeah, everybody except the Buckeyes are a fraud because we are objective. The other game that we'll talk about super briefly because I don't want to overload folks with info. Um, Sunday afternoon, I believe, is when they play Northwestern at home. It'll be their first. Yes, five thirty tip. Five thirty tip. That was announced. Their first home basketball game since December eleventh against Wisconsin. First time in a month they've got a home game. It's Northwestern, five thirty p.m. Eastern time. That's going to be on Big Ten Network. Um, I don't know if Northwestern plays before Sunday. I'm assuming they probably do. But I think that's they a team do. they have to take seriously. I think they're probably a borderline tournament team. Yeah, Northwestern actually plays – well, recording tonight. They play tonight, Wednesday, against Penn State. So if you're listening to this tomorrow, you'll know how that game went. And that game will be – that will say a lot about them. Uh, they just lost to Michigan State at home, but they only lost by six. I watched that entire game. They played pretty well. Um, you know, they, they've had a kind of a weird – the DePaul game would have been really good, but that got canceled. Uh, they beat Maryland. They lost to Wake Forest by – four they beat georgia they lost to providence by five you know like they're just like you said they're kind of a fringe tournament team i we actually wrote about this the other day i actually have them in the tournament as of right now but they have such a brutal start to their conference schedule with i mean their next six games just go penn state ohio state maryland michigan state wisconsin purdue then they go michigan illinois so it's like that's a brutal start so we'll learn a lot about them by january we'll know exactly what they are by february i should say um you know, they got Chase Audige back, which is huge. He's only played four games this season, but he's one of their best players. Pete Nance and Bo Bowie, which is by far the best name in the Big Ten. Um, they're, they're two stars. Pete Nance is averaging 16 points a game with eight rebounds. Bo Bowie is averaging uh, 14.6 points per game. Um, 
you know, they're, they're a really good team that I, I question their depth a little bit and we've always questioned their coaching, but, um, you know, it, they kind of, they're one of those teams where they need somebody like a Ryan Young, a Robbie Baran, a Ryan Greer, somebody to step up and have a good game if they want to beat a solid team. Um, that was what they were missing against Michigan State. They just need somebody else to handle. You can't have two or three guys that are do everything for you. That's Nebraska. And look where that, that's not getting them anywhere. They so are you need guys Ken to step Palm, up. Ken Palm, number 40. So Ken Palm certainly has them in the field. But their best wins are probably at Maryland, who's Ken Palm, number 58. Maryland is also, they're looking like a questionable tournament team. And then they beat Georgia, who, dude, Georgia might not even be in the top. They may not even be in the top 100, Ken Palm. I don't even know if they are. Georgia's not, Georgia's not good. They are 213. Holy mother of pearl. They're, um, like five, they're like five and nine. They're not good at all. Yeah, they're atrocious. Yeah, Northwestern beat Maryland, which is a fine win. Other than that, they haven't really played anybody that, that good. But they have, some, they have some good guys on their team. They've got Pete Nance is very good. Chase Adige is good. Miller Cop was good. Now he's gone. But, like, he was a very good piece for them. But Pete Nance and Chase Audige, off the top of my head, um, are two guys that are very good. They have a freshman named Casey Simmons who's pretty talented too. Um, definitely a team that could beat most teams in the Big Ten if you don't take them seriously. So that'll be a big one. But playing at home against them, that's a game that you know, Ohio State should win that too. So if they win both of these, then you're looking at 5-0 and in Big Ten play. Yeah, that's kind of uh, – just to wrap up this conversation, I look at them as kind of Nebraska. They're not as bad, of course, but on the road, anything can happen. Tough place to play. You know, Evanston's a fun – uh, place to go to to play games, but at home, you got to beat them at this rate. I agree. They they got to win that one for sure. I think if you, I think at worst you got to split these two this week. Yes, I would agree. You can't. Well, and I just in general, and I w- I was kind of going to mention this about um um about Indiana because uh, you know you you can't have those zero and two conference weeks. You know what I mean? It's okay if you lose one. You're going to lose some games in conference play, especially in the Big Ten because they're it's a very good conference. But if you can avoid the zero and two in conference in a week. Avoid that kind of spiral. That kind of start of what could be a spiral. That's always huge. So especially if they do drop the Indiana game, which you know it looks like we're kind of in agreement on. It pretty much comes down to whether or not Kyle Young plays. We didn't even say plays well. We just said plays, uh, which shows you our faith in him. Right. But um, if, if you know, then they might win or lose. Also, it's just impossible to predict games at Assembly Hall. To be honest with you. Especially with them, like you said, they have some young guards with Michi and Malachi Branham and even like a Eugene Brown who's a sophomore, but he didn't get that experience last season. He's basically a freshman in terms of you know experience in front of crowds. Um, you know those it'll be interesting how those how those guys play, and they're fearless, so I'm not worried about it. But still, it can affect you. Um, what the people are really coming to us for is St. John's content. We have a very brief St. John update. Do you want to give people um, an update on the Red Storm? Yes, unfortunately, uh, nothing has changed. They suck. No, I mean, they. the last four games have been canceled due to COVID. Um, but right before that, they lost to Pitt. Um, I don't know if you know this about Pitt. They're bad. So a lot of losing, people are saying. Losing, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm standing on – I'm dying on this hill. Pitt sucks. So, you know, St. John's losing to Pitt would imply they're worse. So they do start Big East play what would be, you know um, – so they play the tonight or tomorrow against DePaul. They play tonight. So Wednesday or Thursday. So Wednesday. So Wednesday. tomorrow you'll see if they – DePaul is a weird team. I don't know if they're good or not, to be honest. So we'll see. 
That'll be an interesting game. Not one I will be watching, but one I will check you at like eleven o'clock to see one. DePaul is nine and three, but they're one oh two in Ken Palm, and I think St. John is St. John's is eighty three. So they're somewhat similar teams. How is St. Um, John's eighty three? Oh my god! Fun fun fact: I'm going to a Pitt game, uh, a Pittsburgh game next month. I'm gonna go. Who are they playing? I'm gonna make a trip to Pittsburgh. I'm gonna see Pitt play. Um, geez, who are they playing when I go? It is Pitt versus NC State. Oh god! So I'm I'll fun. be I'll be there. Um, Good luck. To just take in and, and just bask in the greatness that is uh, Pitt basketball um, next month. Yeah, I don't think anybody wins that game except the people that don't go to it. But, okay, have fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it'll be I, – I just like different arenas and stuff, taking in different arenas and seeing what, you know, different college basketball arenas are like. So I'm going to check it out next month. And then also in a few weeks I'm driving to Nashville and I'm going to see Vanderbilt play Georgia, who turns out Georgia is atrocious. So hopefully that will be – a big Vanderbilt dub. Vanderbilt's atrocious too. So also check out our new podcast, Connor on the road, apparently where he just reviews stadiums. I, yeah, I'm just going to record the whole six hours that I drive down there and on my thoughts as I drive by like cows, grass. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a, a super shitty drive. I've actually never driven that far by myself. So I'm going to find some podcasts to queue up for sure. Longest I've driven by myself was Nebraska to Ohio. When I moved back, that was 14 hours. That sounds absolutely atrocious. Um, a quick, uh, we're about to, we're going to wrap it up here in just a second. We're at, I think about 40 minutes, uh, not quite 40 minutes, just some that I wanted to say just in general about cancellations, uh, COVID-19, things like that, just cause we're seeing a lot of responses to like our, our podcast, Twitter, my own Twitter, um, the land grant channel and it's different, um, you know, the different media forms that people can reach land grant. Any notion that Ohio State canceled any of those games because they wanted to cancel those games or that it's part of some larger political scheme is absolutely ridiculous. Um, The players want to play basketball more than any fan wants them to play basketball. The coaches want to play, want to coach basketball more than any fan wants to watch them play basketball. I promise. So getting, getting, yeah, (laughs) real hot. Getting a lot of people that are responding and saying, like, you know, Ohio State, because, you know, we canceled these games, because Ohio State chose to cancel these games. Ohio State didn't have enough players to play those last two games specifically. They didn't have the bodies to show up and play. And it's not fair to send five, four or five players. Technically, you can play four and five. It's not fair to send five guys who have not practiced in two weeks up against like a new Orleans or a UT Martin and say, I need all four of you or all five of you to play 40 minutes. So, you know, that's not fair to them and it doesn't put them in a position where they can win a game and you, they could then get hurt doing that. And then you're out even longer. So any notion that Ohio state um, was being overly cautious or wanted to cancel them because of this, that, or the other, if they're trying to pander to some political scheme or make a statement, they want to play much, much, much more than you want to watch them play. And I just wanted to say that because that's that was kind of taking me off. That'll do it for us today. If you are finding us on the website, please make sure to also subscribe on Spotify or Apple Music, whatever... Uh, music streaming platforms you use yeah and feel free to follow us on twitter our podcast at bucketheads lghl um myself i'm at justin underscore golba one thing i will add real quick 
the mid-season win award watch list just came out obviously jill adele is one of the 25 members on that um so that's just I mean, not surprising but kind of cool and uh connor where are you you can follow me on twitter at lamons which is l-e-m-o-n-s underscore connor i think you just set the Bucketheads account the main account for langer Hollyland is langrant 33 um but yeah if you want to follow up with us you know I, i'm at most of the home games um, I know, Justin, you're usually manning the Bucketheads account while I'm at the arena. So if you want to follow along, you know, middle of the game and throughout the games, we try to keep people updated that way. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we appreciate it and have a great weekend and go Bucks. Wait, wait, wait.